John 6, 51 to 57. And then it's going to be 2 Corinthians 12, 9. All right, let's read the word together. John six fifty one. That's okay. <laughs> fifty one to fifty seven. <laughs> we could read the whole chapter, right, guys? <laughs> Thank you. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Let's read together. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Amen. And I, we, sh we read the word together because the word is God's miracle to us. Jesus is the word. As you speak the words with your mouth, who saw Kizzy's meme about having the miracle in your mouth, right? <laughs> Yeah, as you, it was a horse and his mouth was opened and he was neighing, but the phrase was, there's a miracle in your mouth. Amen. There's a miracle in your mouth. 
When you speak the word of God, you speak in a what? A miracle. You're speaking a miracle. Communion is a miracle that God has given us. That as we partake, we are transformed like transformers. Remember those, Ephraim? Remember transformers? They're pretty exciting, huh? <laughs> In their day. But that's what the Lord does. He transforms us by his what? His body and his blood. By his body and his blood, we just read, we will live. If we partake of his body, we eat his body and we drink his blood, we will live. And this morning, the Lord spoke to my heart about his sufferings that he went through before he went on the cross. And then the sufferings that the disciples went through when Jesus went to the cross, they suffered. Every disciple who followed Christ was martyred for Christ. Everyone ended up being martyred because of their faith in Jesus. Because when Jesus came, think of it, it wasn't just the Romans against the Jews. It was the devil against God. That's what was going on in that scenario. That just gave me chills. But it was the devil coming to kill and destroy Jesus, the Son of God, because he knew that when he went on the cross and he gave his body and his blood, that we would have eternal life that believe in him. That is the miracle. You will never die, Ephraim. You will never die, Grace, Stella, and Julia, Mom, Ed, Joe, Chris, and myself. Those of us who believe on the name of Jesus, who partake, it said, of his body and his blood, Unfortunately, the world has it the other way. And they look at weakness as a weakness. Right? And they judge it that way. They judge it. And some of us in the church judge it that way. If we see weakness, we point it out. You need to change your attitude there, mister. <laughs> just kidding <laughs> uh, but listen what does the verse we just read say that his power is made perfect in weakness this is what Jesus knew when he had to go to the cross right remember Peter ran out with a sword and he cut off the soldier's ear and he started to fight. But that's when God reminded him, no, Peter, 
You, my power is made perfect in weakness. Our fight is not flesh and blood. Our fight is not flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. And weakness is our foundation. Because when we are weak, he is strong. If we have a problem being nice, he's a God of love. He can fill our meanness with kindness. He can fill our anger with peace. He can fill our perversion with purity. He can fill all those areas that we have that we think are weakness. And, and so what do we do? When we feel weak, we say, I can't come to church. I'm too weak. I'm not good enough. I failed. I failed bad. I can't come. I can't come before God. I can't pray. I can't worship. No, no. He knew and he showed us by the disciples' example what they went through, what they suffered. He showed us their weakness. But through their weakness, he was made strong. He was powerfully presented in their weakness. And guess what? He will powerfully be represented in our weakness. Because weakness is vulnerability before God. It's coming before God and saying, I am a ship without a sail without you, Jesus. I am nothing, but you are everything. Our weakness is our realness. How many of you have a hard time being real sometimes? I should put, if I had five hands, I'd raise five hands. <laughs> I don't know if it was being brought up in a business. <laughs> where you have to put on the sales lady smile. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Can I help you? That's what we grew up learning to say. <laughs> Every time we answered the phone, Hi, this is Howard's. Can I help you? With a big smile. It's what we think, you know, we're supposed to be. And it's what we end up thinking that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to be like, Hi, Jesus, how are you? Can I help you? I'm great. Who has said, I'm great, when you thought, I suck? <laughs> or you've said, oh, it's, I'm fine. It's a group, you know, we're, oh, ha, 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 laugh, 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 and inside you're crying, right? Well, this is what Jesus was addressing. He says, be real. That's what he wants. He wants our realness. He'd rather have us crash and burn and look up to him than walk around like a haughty religious peacock quoting scripture and judging the world to hell. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to be real. Because when we're real, we realize who he is, and we realize that it's him that fills us with the goodness. And so guess what that brings? It brings truth. 
You start living by truth. You start, and when you live by truth, guess what you're going to have? It starts with an F. Freedom. Who, who likes freedom? Freedom. Freedom to be you. Freedom to be who God created you to be. It's you and all your weakness. To him, that's beautiful. <laughs> we judge ourselves. We look at ourselves like, oh, how bad we are sometimes. But then we have to stop and we have to say that with Christ, everything is possible. And as he fills us with himself, right? How does he fill us? What is one way he fills us with himself? Do, let me give you a clue. Do this in remembrance of me, right? That's one way. And we just read it, did we not? Was that the word of God? That's the miracle of God in your life. As you partake of the body and the blood of Jesus that he said to his disciples at the Last Supper, this is my body. And he handed them the bread. And he said, this is my blood. And he handed them the cup of wine. And he said to share it with each other and do this in remembrance of me. And I looked up the Greek word for that scripture, remembrance, the word. And it was interesting, and I don't know if, it, if I read it exactly right, but it was the kind of remembrance that you don't even have to remember. It's just there. It comes to your mind. Like you could be anywhere and it comes to your mind. You remember what Jesus did. You remember what Jesus did. You remember what Jesus did. So this morning I would say to you that the Lord says, in your weakness, you are made strong. In your weakness, as you surrender to him, as you surrender to his will, his obedience, and you partake, you will be filled with him, his strength, his power, his love, and his forgiveness. So let's just think of that this morning as we partake together of the blood and the body of Jesus. You know, it's always like a it's always like a test, like, oh, should we have communion today? You know, it's already late, it's this, it's that. I forgot the crackers. <laughs> Thanks, Julia and Grace and Stella. But Jesus would say, do this, do it all the time. Do it in remembrance of me. Don't forget me. Remember me because I'm here for you. Remember me because I forgive you. Remember me because as you partake of me, I will fill you with strength. I will fill you with my power. You will be so powerful there on that earth 
If you walk in my power, the power of Jesus, the power of his blood and the power of his body. And we just, we're just going to pray for a minute. I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to just pray quietly for a minute and just thank him from your heart. Just thank him from your heart for the body and the blood. The Lord says through Paul in Corinthians that this is a time where you can just surrender over to the Lord. Like, look at your heart, look at your mind, look at your spirit, man. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your sacrifice. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just take the body. Father, we thank you for your broken body, for our healing. And this morning we proclaim healing over every person in this room. Complete health complete healing, complete strength. Father, we proclaim the healing of God over our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Your body broken for us. Let's break it and partake together as a body. Thank you, Jesus. Fill us, Lord, with you. Fill us with you, Jesus. You in us. You dwelling in us. Hallelujah, Lord. And let's hold up the blood together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the blood that you shed on Calvary's tree. Father, we thank you for sending your son as a sacrifice for us. And we give you praise and honor and glory for the shed blood of Jesus that brings life and power to our bodies, to our spirits, to our souls. Let's partake together. And we just praise you and thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this provision. We thank you, God, that in our weakness, you are made strong as we partake of you, as we remember you. And help us this week to never forget, to never forget. And we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
on your hand you've written out my name I am your beloved you have bought me with your blood and on your hands you've written out my name praise you Jesus amen thank you God thank you father Lord I thank you for this day I thank you for the service I pray that your will will be done in it I pray father for your blessings I thank you Lord God that you brought home our family from kingdom bound Lord God Joe and Lizzie and the kids and Lord I thank you that they had good weather and they had a great time up there Lord I pray Lord God that you've touched their hearts and I thank you Lord God for just all the blessings you've given to us and our wonderful family in Jesus name amen so it's come on down grace I haven't done this in a week And then, or two weeks. Yeah. But like, Lord, we thank you and we praise you for, Lord, this tithes and offerings that you are bringing into your house. We pray, Father God, that you would bless it, that you would bless the work of our hands and that you would prosper us. Lord, your word says that above all, that you wish that we would prosper and be in good health. Prosperity and health is ours in the kingdom of God for those who believe. And I believe that, Lord God, because it's your word, it's spoken, and it's the truth. Because your word is the way, the life, and the truth. And I believe that. And I just thank you, Lord God, for this day. I thank you for each person here. And for all those that, that are giving. And for all those, Lord, that those can give that are out there that are hearing this word. They can give into, our, into the kingdom of God, into the work of the Lord. Lord God, through our church app. Just look up church app, Morning uh, White Horse Ministries, <laughs> Lord God. <laughs> White Horse Ministries, White Horse Christian Church on the church app, Lord. And uh, Lord, you can give the tithes there. And I just uh, praise you and thank you, Lord God, for each person. In Jesus' name, amen. White Horse Ministries, Morning Light Landscapes. Everything we do is under God. Amen. All named after him. Morning light. Morning light, white horse. Amen. All right. <clears throat> if you can uh, put up 1 John 2.15, Lord. Lord Joe. Joe, Lord Joe, <laughs> we'll get going. We are in a battle, amen? It's a daily fight, every day. Every day we are in a fight, whether we, whether we want to believe it or not. 1 John 2.15 says, do not love the world or anything in it. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Ooh, he's right. Pretty scary, isn't it? I think of the world in which we live in today, and I cannot help but think of the unrest that there is out there. And not just in the world, and for others, but for nations. The unrest that's out there, that's in the nations. 
and for myself. I've come to realize that we, or at least myself, am nothing but a rag of muffin who is in need of a savior, amen? I'm nothing but a rag of muffin who's in need of a savior. Because I have these same struggles of loving the world. <clears throat> because I'm not a perfect man and there's only been one who is perfect. Whoever walked this earth and he was Jesus. All God, all Jesus. And if anyone claims to be perfect, then run from him. <laughs> I wrote it down here, then run from him or her. Because there is never one who is perfect except for Jesus. They will be our liar. <clears throat> who says they are. And we'll know when the perfect one, Jesus or God, appears, because the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord. We'll all know when the perfect one returns, when Jesus', is, when Jesus return is. And I've come to realize that there will never be a satisfying rest for myself or even modern civilization for that fact. If we are chasing after the world. Think about that. If you're chasing after the world and the love of the world, then you will never find a satisfying rest. You will never find a satisfying rest for your soul, for your spirit. You will always be running after more and more and more, and nothing will satisfy. The world will get you and keep you chasing after it. And I thought to myself, boy, oh boy, if only Christians... Only those Christians who confess they are Christians would run after God like they run after the world. Think about that. Think about that. Think about all the things that we run after in our own lives. You know, Solomon called it a chasing of the wind. You know? It's just a chasing of, after the wind. You can never, can you catch the wind? Can you ever claim to have caught the wind? Do you know the wind, where it's coming from and where it's going? And can you run it down and hold it? Only the creator of the universe can do that, can he? Only the creator of the universe knows where it comes from and where it goes. And we're all just chasing after wind. And we will find no rest. But what if we put that same desire of chasing after the world into chasing after God? What if we put that same 
energy, the same passions into chasing after God like we chase after the world. I know we all want to succeed in life and we want to prosper and the word says above all he wants us to prosper and be in good health. But he doesn't want us to chase after the world or the ways of the world. We need to be chasing after the ways of the kingdom. If you really want to prosper and be in good health, then you will chase after the ways of God, the ways of the kingdom, the ways of heaven. That's how we should be living as confessed Christians. You know, it's one of our fruits. We'll know there are Christians by their fruit. Amen? And there is power. You know, my, I'm, my wife made me think of the meme that Kizzy put up. And I, I, I didn't see the meme. But there are so much power in our words, in our confessions. And we can either speak life or we can speak death. Blessings or cursing comes from our word, comes from our mouth. Out of our mouth flows rivers of life or rivers of death. You know, I think about how the devil has manipulated so many things. So many good things of God, how he has twisted them. See, the devil can't create anything. He's not a creator. He's been created. He's just a copycat. He's a manipulator, and he's a twister. He's a twister of the word. He's a twister of our faith. He tries to twist it, and he's a deceiver, and he's a thief. He's a stealer. And he's a destroyer. Instead of us chasing after God, he's got us chasing after the, after the world. Instead of he's got us desiring God, he's got us desiring the ways of the world. And he'll keep pushing you and pushing you and pushing you into the desires of the world more and more and more and more and you know you know that you're in the wrong course when you don't have peace when you don't have joy and you don't have rest you know you think about that you know when you're doing something wrong that there's something wrong spiritually there's something wrong when you're sick when you're exhausted, when you're tired, when you don't have rest, you don't have peace, and you don't have joy, and you think everything you're doing is not enough, and you got to do more and more and more and more. That's the devil deceiving you and pushing you along. You know, it's when you start chasing after God, you'll find out that you'll have more joy, you'll have more peace, you will have more rest. You will be healthier. You will grow in faith, which we should be growing in every day, and growing in God's glory. 
there's two different things. Eventually what happens when you're chasing after the world is that you become so exhausted and tired that you just can't do it anymore. And some people will end up dead with a heart attack or other things. Illnesses. They'll come down with illnesses and sicknesses. It makes me think of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1. And I've read these, I've read both of these scriptures before many times, but I keep going back to them because I just think of the way that the world is, and the way that, you know, what's going on and how we how we're living and how we should be living. And how God wants us to live, and in the days that we're living in, we're living in the end days. But I keep going back to this scripture. But mark this. Paul is telling Timothy. Mark this. Think about that. When Paul says mark this. But mark this. That means write it down. Make a note. Realize this is happening. Or this is going to happen. In the last days there, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiveness, slanderous, without self-control, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with them. Basically, what, 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 what he's saying here is he's saying, hey, in the last days, people are going to be lovers of sin more than they love God. They're going to be lovers of evil more than they love God. They're going to be more lovers of the desires of the flesh and of the world more than they love God. Basically, that's what he's saying. And it's all selfishness. And, and, the more, and the more we live in the world, the longer we live in the world, and especially in the days that we live in, we see this more and more. More and more the world is falling into sin and the love of sin. And the desires of the flesh. Than in love with God. We see it all across our area. I see it all across our area. You know, I, I, had, a, I had a customer. I won't mention any names. But there's a little church right across her house. <clears throat> and you can see the churches. They're like starting to run down. Falling, you know, it's like. The front stoops are all falling apart and everything's falling apart. And she looks at me and she says, I don't think people are going to church anymore over there. I don't think people are, there's not many people that are going to church anymore over there. A lot of the congregates have left. And it's not just, I mean, it's just local areas. It's all across. 
all across the land. Empty churches. Less than half of the congregates have returned to church since COVID. Is it because they really don't have a they, is it because they really didn't have a touch from God when they were in church? Is it because they didn't have a relationship with him really? Did they get upset with the pastor? Or did they trust the world more than they trusted God? You know, I don't know the answers to these questions, but these are the questions I think about. Is it because they trust the world more than God that if they go to church, they're apt to get COVID or apt to get a disease or because they're living in fear instead of living in faith? Or is it because they're really selfish? A lot of people don't want to face the truth or deal with the truth. You know, it's so true. You think about that. A lot of times, the truth hurts, doesn't it? When somebody tells you the truth, sometimes you don't want to hear it. Because you're happy where you're at. Or you're satisfied where you're at. And in the world, we get so accustomed, and the world has got us trapped that we're so accustomed to being satisfied and living exactly where we're at. Now, you know, the devil wants us to live that way, too. He doesn't want us pressing into God or the things of God. He wants us more pressing into the things of the world. He wants us saying, oh, well, you know, the church is full of sin anyways. You don't need to go there. You can get you can get church at your house and at home on TV. You can stay home. You don't have to gather together of the brethren. You know, you can stay in your sin. But when somebody comes around and preaches the truth to you, sometimes you don't want to hear it. You're like, I don't you know, you need to go to church. You need to gather with the brethren. You need to be in the word. You need to be praying. You know? What happened to reading our word all the time? What happened to praying all the time? Right? And trust me, I preach to myself. My wife's looking at me. She knows. She lives with me. Right? She's, she's my helper. The Holy Spirit. God gave her to me as a helpmate. Helps keep me accountable. <clears throat> and I don't like it when she said, you need to get in your word. You need to get in your word. I get angry. I get frustrated. But it's the truth. It is the truth. And sometimes I don't want to hear the truth. But one day, ironically, all of us, are going to have to face the truth, aren't we? There's that day that's coming. It's called Judgment Day. And trust me, on Judgment Day, God's going to tell us the truth. And for some, it's going to be awfully scary. 
You know, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's every day. We need to work out our salvation every day. For all of us. I cannot work out your salvation for you. You have to work out your salvation with God. I cannot save you. Only God can save you. Only Jesus can save you. And I really do think a lot of it is selfishness. I think and believe that selfishness is a power and a principality that's out there. And that has attacked the church. And it's a huge battle that we have to fight off all the time. Trust me. I have to fight it off all the time. And I don't pass the test every day. I fail all the time. I can be a very selfish person. I can be selfish with my desires, with what I want to do. I can be selfish with my time. I can be selfish with my belongings all the time. And I wrote down here, isn't it even funny how the devil has manipulated that word, selfish. God wants us to be selfless, right? The devil wants us to be selfish. We as Christians need to be living a selfless life, being willing to give without even being asked. Amen? And sometimes we don't want to give. And that's our own battles that we got to deal with in our minds and that we got to fight with every day. See, it's a, it is a battle. We're in a battle every day. And it's these little things that we're battling. It's these powers, these principalities that we're battling, that we don't even realize it that we're battling. But it's an everyday fight that we have to put to death. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. God wants us to be selfless. The devil wants us to be selfish. Everything God does that is good for us, everything that God has done that is good for us, the devil has tried to twist it and manipulate it to destroy us, to pull us away. Even the love of God, he wants us to have the love of the world. Even being selfish instead of selfless. The devil tries to twist things and manipulate things. He wants you to be lovers of pleasure. Lovers of themselves. You know what selfishness really is? It's a lover of of yourself, of your, of themselves. God says, love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. 
and love your brother as yourself. It doesn't say love yourself more than God. Love yourself more than your brother. It says love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your soul, all your being. And then love your brother. Like yourself. Selfishness. Lovers of themselves. Lovers of pleasure. So many battles out there every day that we got to fight. Every day. Every day it's a battle. And you know the battles are getting stronger in these end days. Look at the way of the world. Look at what's going on in our nation. You know, they are trying to destroy our nation from the inside out. You know, and years ago, they said, Russia said that we don't have to destroy America. America will destroy itself. And that is exactly what is happening. There are powers and principalities out there and rulers of darkness out there that are trying to destroy the Constitution of the United States, which was built on godly principles by godly men. And they're trying to manipulate everything to destroy that, because if they can destroy the Constitution, then they can destroy America. If they can come against our freedoms and our rights that are built on God from godly men, then they can destroy America. And they're doing it all around us. You know, we have had some victories. We have had some victories in our Supreme Court over abortion. We should be celebrating that. Instead of having a month of celebration of gay pride, we should have a month celebration of life. And we should be celebrating the life that Jesus gave us through his body and through his blood every day. Every day as Christians, we should celebrate what God has done. Every day as Christians, we should celebrate the way that Jesus has made for us. We should not just celebrate it. We should shout it from the rooftops. Amen? But the battle is getting stronger and it's getting harder because the spirit of the Antichrist has been let loose and is out there raising havoc all over the world. It's the spirit of the Antichrist that's out there trying to destroy our nation. And that's after our nation. It's the powers and principalities that we are fighting against. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not against brother or sister. It's a power. It's a principality. It's a power and a principality that makes a church believe that the Holy Spirit is not real and alive and well. It's a power and a principality that said it's okay to abort a baby. And those are the battles that we're fighting. It's a battle and a power and a principality that we're fighting against selfishness. Fighting against God. Chasing after the world. Desiring the things of the flesh and not the things of God. That's a power and a principality that we're fighting against. And it's every day. 
And it's against Christians. But as I was writing this, God reminded me of a man named Gideon and his army of 300. When God told Gideon, no, send those home. Any man that's going to have a wife or just got married, send him home. Or any man that drinks, who laps up the water with their mouth, send him home. And he was left with 300 men. You know, I really think that's what's happening to the church. The true warriors of God are the ones that are going to be left. Other ones, God is sending them home. The faithful ones to God are going to be left. And that's what's happening right now. It's the great falling away. It's been happening. It's been going on. But the faithful servants of God, who believe in the word, who trust him, who have supernatural faith, are going to do supernatural things. Greater things will they do. The greater things that we are got coming for us. And the greatest revival is yet to take place. And it's not going to be like Rodney Howard Brown said. He's in a fire conference right now down in Florida. He said it's not going to be just one place. The great revival isn't going to happen just in one location. Like all the other revivals that happen in the world. It's going to happen worldwide because God's spirit is going to be poured upon all flesh, just like in Joel. When Joel says the, the, the Spirit of God will come upon all flesh in the last days. Will all flesh is going to be poured upon all of God's people. The power of the Holy Spirit will be poured upon all of God's people throughout the whole land, throughout the whole nation, throughout the whole world. And the world will see the greatest revival it's ever seen in its, in its history of all mankind, of all humanity. Be something like we've never seen before. And it won't just be one person leading it. It'll be a, it'll be a group of believers like Gideon's army. Even though they were exhausted from routing the enemy, the army, after God destroyed like 120,000 of them, and then he was chasing another 15,000 of them, Gideon was when he went past Sukkoth, and he said, my men are tired from chasing after the enemy. We're chasing after, I can't think of the two generals' names, Zebulun and Zephaphath or something like that. You can read about it in, in uh, Judges 7 and 8. But they went through the town of Sukkoth and they said, Can you give my men some food and drink? We're exhausted. We're tired. We're chasing the enemy. God's routing them. And they're like, No, do you have these two generals in your hand? And they're like, No, but we're going to get them. We're going to get them. God is with us. And they said, No, we won't give you anything. That's how it is right now in the church. For the 300 that's going to be left, or for the men and women that are going to be faithful in the church, we are going to chase after the enemy. And even though we're still going to get, we're going to get tired from doing it, God is still going ahead of us and we're still going to see the victory. Because the greatest revival is coming.
Amen? So we have to stay strong. We have to stay faithful. We have to be watchmen. Watching. All the time. Watching. For the devil who's out there trying to scheme and trying to pull you away. And when you see that happening, you have to stop in your tracks, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You have to rebuke him with your mouth because there's power in your words. You have to say, no, devil, I'm not going there. My mind's not going there. Let this mind be in me that's in Christ Jesus. Let the blood of God cover me from the top of my head to the tips of my toes. I am going to stay strong and faithful to God because I love him, I love him, I love him. He is my all in all and nothing else matters. This world doesn't matter. This world's going to pass away. But we're not. We're going to live for eternity. In the kingdom of God, with God himself as our light. Amen? So, Father, I thank you and I praise you for today, for this word. I thank you, Lord God, that you go before us. That we have nothing to fear. Lord God, because we are your children and you have great and mighty things for us that you have prepared for us. And in these days, you've called us to live in these days, in these last days. Lord God, to be a light and to be a witness. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for our failures. When we fail, Lord, bring us to repentance quick so we can get right with you right away. Lord God, don't let us fall into the traps of the enemy. Don't let us get caught up in the traps of the enemy, but let us get caught up into you, into your kingdom. Let us get caught up, Lord God, when you call us up. Lord God, I pray that not one of us is left, that we're all caught up with you, Lord God, in the heavenlies. And I just pray for your anointing and your blessing today on your people. I pray for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the strength to fight this fight. Lord God, that you've called us to fight. Lord, give us the desires of the kingdom rather than the desires of the world. Give us, Lord God, Lord, your Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and to fill us each day. And give us the words to speak, Lord, and let those words be a river of life coming out and a light to those that are lost in darkness. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.